everyone. Hi, Louise, and hi, Tina. Hi. We have an extra face on the screen this week. I'm so excited. Welcome to Kick-Ass Conversations with Kim and Louise. We are visited this week by Tina Baxter. We're going to tell you Tina's story in just a little bit. We want to start how we always do by jumping in and talking about what we're celebrating this week. Louise, do you want to kick us off? What are you celebrating? I am celebrating my community this week. I'm celebrating the folks who jump in and help me out um, and where I get to help out too. That's a big part of it, a uh, part of who I am and what I love to put out into the world. So it's been a really fun uh, week to dive into getting the support that I need from the people who have it available um, so that I can now support others uh, in that way. So it's been really cool um, around my community and uh, who's all involved in it, who's there. Um, that's been, that's what I'm, I'm celebrating other people today. That's what I'm celebrating. That's a beautiful thing. Tina, what are you celebrating today? Well, I am actually in the midst of a 30 day gratitude challenge nice. where I go live on social media every day for a few minutes, you know, and tell what I'm grateful for. So I have to say today, I'm most grateful just to be here and to share with you all. That's wonderful. Well, we are grateful to have you here. And um, so Louise and I, so I am a U.S. citizen living in Canada. Louise is a Canadian citizen living in Canada. But yesterday <laughs> was uh, Thanksgiving in the U.S. And um, while I missed being with my family, um, I loved seeing all the pictures of them. I'm actually super grateful that it's a very quiet week for me <laughs> this week. And I'm not in the middle of the brouhaha. And, you know, people, my email is filled with, I'm sure everybody's is, with all the Black Friday deals. And I'm just deleting and ignoring. Um, and the other gratitude that I have is I had a really kick-ass conversation with my own business coach today. And I am lit up excited about things to come. So um, those are the things that I'm celebrating today. Yeah. I love it. And we are super excited that, Tina, you are uh, our willing uh, person to jump in and be our first guest um, uh, as part of the Kick-Ass Conversations. We've been doing this for six months with Louise and I, and we're so excited to have you join us. I am going to pull up I just lost it because I'm ridiculous. No, there it is. All right. So, <laughs> here we go. We're the, it's all an experiment. Tina Baxter is an advanced practice registered nurse and board certified gerontologist. Help me out here, Tina. Gerontological. Thank you. Nurse practitioner <laughs> through the American Nurse Credentialing Center who resides in Anderson, Indiana. Um, Mrs. Baxter has been... Tina has been, I can't do the Mrs. Baxter, I'm sorry, has been a registered nurse for over 20 years and a nurse practitioner for 14 years. She is also the owner of Baxter Professional Services, LLC, a consulting firm providing legal nurse consulting services for attorneys and insurance professionals, wellness and chronic disease management coaching, and customized educational and operational resources to healthcare organizations. We are so excited to have you here, Tina. I for a hot minute was in the healthcare system um, on the nonprofit side. So I'm excited to hear about what you're doing. I was also a practicing attorney in the estate planning world. So I feel like there's all sorts of exciting things you're gonna share with us, but we would love to know more about you. Louise, what do we wanna know in particular? 
Who, you know, uh, I love, Tina, that you're our first guest because I know that when I saw you uh, and connected with you online, it was like, what does she do? Because I've never even heard, like Kim said, some of these were, I never even heard of them. I had to Google them. Uh, and to see what you've kind of manifested as a career and as a profession, I'm always fascinated about how people get to where they are. And so I, and I know our listeners would love to hear a little bit about like, what's your crazy career journey been like? How did you end up here doing what you're doing? Well, I have to say it's because it was Thanksgiving um, yesterday. I'm in my hometown in near it. And so um, I'm sort of back where it started. (laughs) <laughs> and Toledo. Um, but I've always had an interest in uh, science and health, even as a kid. So uh, I, one of my favorite Christmases was the Christmas I got my chemistry set and my microscope for Christmas. Um, I actually was, I, I, I'm a nerd. I'm just going to point it out there. It's okay. I, I'm quite comfortable with that. <laughs> um, and I had a I had a, a laboratory in my room, you know, off we had a little room off the side of our room, and so we I turned it into a research lab. <laughs> I had protocols. There's a, there's a picture of me in my white lab coat <laughs> at Christmas with my chemistry set, <laughs> and so that's really started my fascination with science, and um, it was through that I took some classes. Um, extra classes in science and got a chance to work in the summers through a program at uh, what was called the uh, Medical College of Ohio back then. And I worked in the lab for three summers. Um, Two summers I worked in the the lab where we did the blood draws and you had the blood, you put them on the auger plates. I'll never forget the smell of an auger plate, I'm telling you. Um, (laughs) And you run it and you watch it grow something. But then my last year, working in the lab, I was the queen of poop. <laughs> because they were so, so short-staffed, I worked there for the past two summers, they gave me my own section. And my job was to test all the poop for rotavirus. And, and that for me was just an interest in science and learning about our bodies and how they work. And so um, I went to school at Taylor in Indiana and got a degree in biology and had decided, had thought about possibly, you know, I was planning on going to medical school at the time. So I took the MCAT and everything, and then I couldn't make myself apply and go. (laughs) And this is why I'd spent two weeks with my cousin who um, was a wonderful physician, but I realized he had, all he did was work. All he did was go to work. He had all the toys, but he never got to play with them. And I thought, there's got to be something more. And so in the middle of all that, I was a fifth year senior at a very expensive private Christian university that my parents were paying for. Um, I decided to change majors. (laughs) Um, So I called up another very expensive private Christian university and said, let me in. And they did. Um, but my parents decided I was paying for this one (laughs) since I spent five years at the other one. Um, so I ended up with a degree in biology and a degree in nursing. So I had two bachelor's degrees 
And it's because I saw, I got a job working in a nursing home and I'd had experience volunteering, but I didn't have experience working in the nursing home. And I saw what the nurses did and I thought I could do that because I wanted to know more about the individual, not just their disease, but I wanted to know about you as a person. And I was more interested in that. And I found that nursing had a way to do that. And so um, I called them up two weeks, three weeks before the semester was supposed to start. And I said, let me into your program. And they said, first, you have to get into the school, um, uh, the university. And I said, okay, I'll transfer in. So I did that. And then the second week they said, well, you got to get into the school of nursing. So I called up the school of nursing and said, let me in. And they did. <laughs> I had no idea how hard it was supposed to be to get into nursing school because I just called up and said, let me in. And because I already pretty much had a biology degree, they just said, sure, we'll let you in, come in as a sophomore. So that's how I got started in my nursing. Um, and I realized my first day of nursing school, I had met my tribe. This is where I needed to be. And I am um, always say that nurses can do and be anything. This has been a career where I've done so many different things from working inpatient, in the hospital, uh, outpatient, private practice, now running a business of my own. Nursing is so versatile. And that's what I want other nurses to hear is that may maybe you're a little burnt out at the bedside, but there's something else you, you can do. You don't have to throw out the, the profession. You can leave your job, but you don't have to leave the profession. Yeah. 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 That, that element of not leaving a profession, but leaving a job. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's huge because it, it is true in so many different uh, areas and so many different professions that it's a job may not be working for us, but it, we, there's a passion still, and I can definitely hear it in you, a passion for the profession. So you have the passion for nursing and it's finding where that fits in for you is what I'm hearing. Yes. I mean, it, it's been an interesting journey. I have to say, um, because I never thought of myself becoming a nurse practitioner. That wasn't what I was going to do. Actually, I was going to um, possibly run the hospital. I wanted to be the CEO of the hospital at one time. And then I realized, no, I don't. <laughs> um, but I, I, it was every, every little step that I took brought me closer. I was telling my mom a, a few months ago, you know, I took broadcasting in high school and, uh, in college. Um, why? Cause I ran out of classes to take and I just, you know, I liked school. So I just hung out and I, you know, I went into broadcasting and my mom, her background was public relations and she worked for a TV and radio station. So she was not happy about this, mm. <laughs> but I said, I needed something to fill the gap and it was great. And I told her, I said, you know, I'm glad that I took broadcasting because now I'm comfortable on camera and um, behind a screen. And I never thought that years later, I would have a weekly nursing news show yeah. Yeah. where I talk about what happens in the news that relates to nursing and healthcare every week going live. I'm like, I never would have done that if I hadn't had that background. That's super powerful, right? Because we, we pick up these skills as we go along the way and they become part of our toolbox and we don't think of pulling them out. Many people mm -hmm. don't think of pulling them out because they're, it's not part of their job. And yet, right. 
what happens when we start to blend when we've pulled these skills from other areas that we've picked up along the way is we create this whole new amazing thing um i think that actually lends itself to the topic today right is so this idea of a ceo mindset um and it was funny tina because you said you you originally thought you were going to run the hospital be the ceo and here you are like no <laughs> no no you do run your own business but you do run your own business. So I'm really curious to know like how or why you took that leap. What's that like? Yeah. I never intended to be an entrepreneur. I actually thought of myself as an accidental entrepreneur on purpose. And here's, here's what happened. As a nursing <laughs> student, you know, we're always hustling for extra money. As college students, we're always broke. So I became a CNA, a CPR instructor. And so I taught CPR classes on the side and different uh, health organizations would contact me and say, hey, can you come and teach a class for us? And that kind of started me on the entrepreneurial journey, but I never thought of it as a business until years later when I started a business with a couple of uh, friends of mine. And it was right at the beginning of the recession, 2008, 2009. And we wanted to help people get jobs. And we knew that nursing homes needed people. So we started a CNA training school so that people could get jobs. And um, at that time we started, I was in between positions because I had left a position and I was living off my severance. And I thought, well, I just go, I just want space to write a book. That's what I asked her for. I said, I just want to leave some space for you so I can write a book. And she wrote me into being the CEO of the company. <laughs> so, uh, but once I got that entrepreneurial bite it was like hey wait a minute i can do this and it was the act of creating something that really intrigued me and so fast forward you know we had students at that program that are now administrators of their own nursing homes and it's come full circle one of one of my former students is actually allowing me to bring students to his building um i've had uh, students that have become nurses uh physician assistants former students of ours have become ones going to medical school, you know, so they've done a variety of different things. Some have opened up their own agency. So I get to see them progress. And that makes me happy. And that's what made me realize this is part of what I like to do is to help other people get along the way. So um, I've been a mentor and coach and I taught students and taught at the university level and realized I didn't want to do that either. <laughs> so you try things and you figure out that's not really what I want to do. And, you know, kudos to my university colleagues, but that whole tenure track just wasn't for me. You know, mm -hmm. it, it just it was always on the terms of the university, but not really meeting the needs of the student. Um, in some aspects. And so that's why I decided to do the independent route, have my own business where I set the hours and we can be flexible to meet the students' needs. So if they need an extra class on a Saturday, I'll throw a class on a Saturday for them because that, that particular cohort needs it. If they need um, a class later in the evening, I'll move it to later in the evening just to accommodate that cohort. So I have that flexibility, which is what I love about being an entrepreneur. Um, and realized that I, I was in middle management at the hospital and I've done the stuff, worked, ran a unit um, and discovered how that position is just so under underappreciated. And I thought there's gotta be a better way. 
And so I'm always looking for the better, bigger way to do things. And that's where entrepreneurship came in. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah, such a key piece of, you know, when you think about being that CEO of your own career, the CEO of your own business, you really, you're the CEO of your own journey, whatever that mm-hmm. leads to or looks like. And that really is like the CEO has that big, right, that big umbrella um, look, has that altitude that's a little bit higher. So you can strategize, right, a little bit differently. Yeah. It's not just about like how to get it done. I think sometimes we get sucked into that how piece and we're, we're we are like the middle management of our own careers of our own business because we're stuck in the how we're stuck in the how to get it done how to get it done and we don't step back to say like what's the purpose or why are we even here what's the whole meaning of my business or my career and and when we can kind of step back we're actually take that mindset that ceo mindset to look at things a little bit differently a little a little bit bigger and then what i heard you say was like like I didn't know I was right. I didn't know what I didn't know, but now I knew what I what I wanted and what I didn't want. And because you could step back and have that that bigger bigger view, that larger picture view, you're able to find now this way to move forward that's so unique, um, and then just serves like all of the things that you want to do, serving you and serving and helping you serve others. I've always wanted to be a teacher ever since I was a little girl, but I realized I wanted to do it on my own terms. <laughs> I I have a master's in ed- nursing education. That's something I didn't say, uh, but I also have a master's in nursing education because as what's typical for me when I go and start a training program or a new degree, I like other things. So I ended up with, for the first time, a, a biology degree with a minor in French and a minor in Bible, and then a nursing degree with a minor in psychology, and then a master's in nursing education and a post-master's as a gerontological uh, nurse practitioner who works with older adults. And so one one person told me and and called me a multi-passionate entrepreneur. (laughs) And that's kind of been my whole life. I'm interested in so many different things that one thing would probably drive me crazy. Mm -hmm. And not everybody's built that way. But I think if you're going to be the CEO, oftentimes you have to have that ability, as you say, to step back, get that bird's eye view of everything. And one one thing that I've come to know is that everything that I do, even though it may seem very different to a lot of people, all of it flows together and operates from one uh, thing that I want to serve and make other people's lives better. And when I look at whether or not I'm working with an attorney on a case or I'm helping a student become a CNA or QMA or I'm helping a nurse build her business, I'm all coming from the area of service and everything really kind of flows together. And the things that don't flow, I've learned to remove them from what we do. So we had a variety of different projects that didn't pan out. We tried to get into the genetic testing business and the company that we were with the startup and they ended up closing, you know, it was a startup, but we're, you know, we tried, we tried different things. Um, a variety of different things. And so we, so when I figured out what 
worked for us, which actually fit into our core values, those are the things that we focus on. And then other things that may seem like a great idea may not be the right idea for us, but maybe we can turn that into something for someone else. Mm-hmm. So for example, there was a, a, a nurse, I heard her listen to a podcast and there was a nurse, she was a school nurse, and she had this lice removal business. She was doing really well. So I checked the market. We were well positioned. There were only two other franchises in the state. I'm like, we were right in the middle of the state. It would have been great. It would have been perfect for us to open up this franchise. And I did all the research, looked at the, how much money we have to put in. And then I realized I don't want to remove lice because I hate lice. I, even the thought <laughs> of it, when I was a nurse in the unit, I used to hate it when I have to do that. And I thought, why would I want to do this? This is not the right business for me. <laughs> I would be miserable, but it might be the best business for someone else. And so yeah. I always tell when we start, when I talk to my nurses and I talk to my fellow sharks, I say, listen, you need to make sure you find a business that you're going to want to go to every day. Don't just choose one because it looks good on paper, because it may not be the right business for you. And so yeah. we talk about it. I had a, I had one uh, nurse that, she would want it to have a, a home care agency. And the more we talked about it and we got work, started working through it, she really wanted a staffing agency. She didn't want a home care agency. Mm-hmm. She wants a staffing agency. I said, well, that's a whole different animal. So let's look at that because you'll be miserable doing this home care agency because you don't really want to do that. What you want is to provide staff to other places. That's what you really want. And that was for her a big epiphany. Because yeah. that changed everything that she was about to do and get into. Because the more we talked about it, the more she hated the idea of going to work every day. And I was like, this is your business. Choose something you're passionate about. Yeah. Well, and it, it's, you know, you talked several times about just trying, right? Sometimes you just have mm-hmm. to try because you don't know. I mean, I'm right with you on the lice. I worked in a school for for a, about a decade and I became one of the lice masters because they, I wasn't grossed out by them, but I certainly don't want to spend my life removing lice. That's just not at all what I would want to do. But we want to try. And and I when I think about that CEO mindset, the CEO mindset is somebody who's courageous enough to try, is creative mm-hmm. enough to kind of look and say, what are the options? Right. That and that to have the mindset to be open to what are the possibilities? So what what are the options? What are the possibilities? Where can I be creative? Where can I? And you also said something a little earlier where it was the the act of creating something. Right. Being in that creative space very much is part of this CEO mindset as I see it. And so I love that you've embodied it, not just for yourself, but for the people that you work with and that you're mentoring and that you're, uh, you're training as well. You're creating um, that CEO mindset. Because again, like Louise said, we very often go into the space of managing our time and managing our businesses instead of being the chief executive officer, instead of actually being in that place of strategy and moving ourselves, elevating ourselves, and thereby our businesses up into that CEO realm. One of the things that happens is that when you're the CEO, uh, if you're not good at communicating your vision and where you want the company to go, the people that are following you kind of get lost along the way. So you really need to be a good communicator. Um, 
one of the things that we talk about is, again, setting that vision and changing your mindset, but also being able to declare that vision and, and to know where you're going. So we build a roadmap so you know where you're going as we go along the way. And don't be afraid to, to try off on a, you know, something different. Like I thought the genetic testing was interesting, so we gave it a go, but it didn't work out. But I didn't cry over that, right? It was something we tried. I realized it's something I really wasn't that passionate about, you know, uh, but it was okay. And it would have, you know, been lucrative, but it didn't work out. And I didn't beat myself up over that. We tested it out. And that, that comes from being a scientist and and knowing that you test your theories you test these things out does this work and so it may not work uh when COVID happened everybody was really like oh my business shut down and i'm like we kind of were already pivoting because of the way we're structured that we did a lot of stuff online anyway so that just opened up stuff for us so now i'll i'll go attend a deposition and i'll be in deposition on zoom and i love it right um, they'll send me my records electronically. I used to get paper records <laughs> in oh, yeah. these huge boxes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now they put them and send it to me electronically or, or on a flash drive, and I just have them, and I'm able to do my work. So it doesn't matter where I am. I can still do my work. I actually brought a couple cases with me. <laughs> I'm on vacation, but I still brought a couple cases just in case I get some time. Um, but, you know, we've learned to be flexible because of COVID. And that's one of the things that you need to be as a CEO is to be flexible and to trust the team that you put in place. I had a conversation uh, with someone and she was ready to expand her business. And I asked her, I said, okay, so do you have your training materials ready so that the person that you're entrusting to run this office while you open the other office will know how you want it done? And of course she didn't have any of that. And I said, well, do you have someone that you trust to put in that position? And she didn't have any of that either. I said, so this is where we need to start. I said, we need to operationalize what you're doing so that if you open up another franchise somewhere, they could do it the same way that you do it, no matter where you are. It's the same with another person. Um, she's doing very well in her business. She called me you know, up and asked me for some advice. And the biggest advice I gave her was, as CEO, you can't be out there on the floor every day working in the trenches. You want to be out there, but you can't be out there every day. You can't be getting up in the middle of the night, um, going to work a third third uh, shift if you in the morning have business meetings to grow your business. So you have to put a person in place. She was opening up another uh, staffing agency in another state. And I said, get someone you trust to run that so that when you go open up in that other state, you know, you, you have people that you trust. And I said, it's not sustainable for you as CEO to be out there working the floor every day and then expect to run the business and make sure the bills are paid on time, make sure your staff is being taken care of, your all the training is done, keeping up with regulations. You can't do that. You can't do it all. And um, thankfully, she seems to have gotten a bigger team. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's excellent. I think, so what I'm hearing here, that kind of coming from all of us, um, and particularly some of the things that you just said is um, creativity, right? CEO mindset mm -hmm. made up of creativity, courage, right? The courage to try, the courage to experiment, um, communication, mm -hmm. um, flexibility, mm -hmm. prioritization, and delegation. Yep. Yes. What else are we missing from that list? Anything, Luz, can you think of anything? 
Uh, well, curiosity um, mm-hmm. for sure, right? Mm-hmm. And that whole like, I don't know how many times a day Tina and I say like, you know, to be curious and to set it up like an, it's all an experiment, uh, mm-hmm. right? Like you're in grade 10 science again and you have, we all have these ideas. We all have these, you know, hypotheses that may or may not work out, but we get to go and experiment. We get to go into real life, see what that's like um, and bring that data, um, bring that back and and really ha- have a look. Like you've done that not just in your business building, but I heard that through your whole career journey, right? You were talking about like, I didn't know getting into nursing was supposed to be hard. I just did it. Like you, you set that up. You experimented to see what was going to happen, uh, right? Any time that I don't want to work that, like that's crazy to be a doctor and put in those kinds of hours. But it's that in real life, it's that getting that information, getting that knowledge and that data um, and that, I don't know, can you put data? I know it doesn't start with a C, but I think data is part of being CEO mindset too. That whole, well, I think that whole, comes from the curiosity. You, curiosity right? feeds data, it. data feeds curiosity. Yeah. And, and I want to say this, you can't do this and be a CEO alone. It comes with building relationships. How I got into graduate school is another story of relationships. Um, when I was in undergrad in nursing, I was on the State Board of Nursing, the Indiana State um, Board of Nursing, not the Board of Nursing, but there's Nursing Association, that's it, ISNA. I was the student liaison on the board. And so the then president of the uh, organization was there and she happened to be the uh, dean of the College of Nursing um, at another university. So because I served on that committee with her and she was, she knew me from that committee and my work on that committee, then when it came time for me to go to graduate school and I was working as a supervisor on evening shift and I uh, was gonna take this particular course um, for to further my career and I took it for graduate credit just to kind of test the waters to see if I could work full time and go to grad school full time. So I applied and everything and took it for credit and she goes, well, why haven't you applied to uh, the full university and grad school? I said, oh, I don't want to take the GRE again because I took it. And, you know, back back when I graduated from with my biology degree, in order to get your degree, you had to not only take the GRE general test, but you had to take the biology subject test and pass that. That was like your final exam for your degree. degree. That was horrendous, okay? That was like three days of testing. So... I said, I didn't really want to do that again. I want to take the GRE again. And so she said, well, you should come. I said, well, then I don't know if I could pay for it. You know, all the excuses that we make. She sent me a letter in the mail that said I had been provisionally accepted into graduate school and the FNP, I was family at that time, the FNP program and to show up for class. (laughs) But it was the power of that relationship and just showing up and being present. And this is what I want to say to so many people. You can't neglect the relationships you have to get out there and and meet people and and have genuine conversations with them and be supportive of people and they will in turn be supportive of you um i've had some wonderful mentors in my life throughout i mean i didn't do this all on my own i had two very great nursing mentors at the um at the hospital where i worked 
One, she was a vice president of nursing and outreach. And she took me to the whole big corporate conference with her, made sure I got to go, made sure that anything that was in the manager's we had this uh, hospital university where they teach you leadership and things like that. She made sure I went to all those sessions and put me in it. And it's because of those relationships that I can say I've been successful because people poured into me, which makes it so much easier for me to pour into other people. Absolutely. I, I call I those conscious connections, right? We make those yeah. conscious connections in our throughout our lives. And, and it's not, we're not making them from a place of, um, like we're not grasping at something. We're not asking people to do things for us. We're genuinely connecting and we're creating yeah. those connections consciously. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty huge. I don't know. I just want to say, so for folks who are tuning in that are only on audio and you can't see Kim and I and the smiling and the nodding we're doing when Tina's talking, it's fantastic. because These are the things that we talk about all the time. Uh, and I mean, what better place to talk about it, to be surrounded by, uh, uh, you know, folks who are wanting to do those things that you want to do to help support you. Well, and that's why, Tina, you had asked us about, you know, our, our podcast and our uh, collective. And that's why we started the collective, right? Your Kick-Ass Career Collective is meant to be that community of people and be that support. Because oftentimes we just don't know what we don't know and we don't know where to get the support that we need for that. So um, almost like we planned it, but we didn't um, for you to talk about community and how important that is. It's, it is absolutely huge. And I, you know, big shout out to, you talked about being a multi-passionate and I got very excited because I talk about it all the time. As a multi-passionate who supports multi-passionates, um, I think we underestimate the number of multi-passionate individuals there are in the world because we've been conditioned and trained to think that we should just write, it's okay to have 90 tabs open on your computer, but don't have 90 interests going at the same time because then you're lose, losing focus. And it's like, well, no, that's not true. Because as you said, Tina, and I'm very much the same way, on paper, people may not be able to see what all of the different career journeys that I've had along the way have anything to do with one another, but I know what they have to do with one another. Yeah. I know how they build on each other and work together. So yeah, kudos to you for embracing that multi-passionate self, because I think you just, it, it brings such a level of um, flavor to the world when we can know um, that all of these things are important to us and we are capable of doing them all because we are, because we're kick-ass human beings, quite frankly. Um, yeah, go ahead. I've always had that healthy curiosity and my parents never told me I couldn't do things. So I always just thought I could. <laughs> so I just wanted to jump out there and give it a try. I actually tried family for a while because I tried Pete. And I never done pizza, so I'll give pizza go. I, I love children. And but I realized um taking care of them terrified me. I'm like, what if they mess up? What if they, you know? And so I, I what I missed was the older adults because of that lived experience that they had and they could bring to the table and those conversations that we could have. And I found myself really sad when that rotation ended and I kept thinking well maybe I can just go visit and hang out for a while and then that made me realize I'm in the wrong program so I want to say don't be afraid to make a change 
you know, you, you, you try something and it may not work out. You know, it may not be what you thought it was going to be. And I realized I love working with older adults. That's what I'm passionate about because I feel like sometimes they get forgotten, you know, particularly as I get older, I think they get forgotten. Right. And I, I, you know, I, I tell my students, older adults live a, a, have lived a life and they still have life in them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've attended weddings at the nursing home (laughs) because, you know, they fell in love again later in life and they were able to move out because they were able to take care of each other. So I think that's wonderful. So, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, just because one phase of your life ends doesn't mean that life ends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's very important when you're in the journey. It's the same with business. You know, you, your business may have done the thing for so long, but that thing's no longer working. It's no, no longer valid. Nobody wants it anymore. I mean, let's think about the places um, that used to sell videos, right? Blockbuster is a good example. Mm-hmm. Blockbuster was huge. You go, you pick out your video, you know, you try to find the one, get there before everybody took the good video that just came out, right? Um, I still remember, be kind, rewind, right? I was dating a guy who ran our local blockbuster. So I always got to get the ones that were just coming out. So that was the (laughs) tip that I have for that one. (laughs) And now, now what do we do? We Netflix and chill, Mm -hmm. right? Because that, that model doesn't work anymore. It was great back Mm -hmm. then, but now we have to move forward. So don't be afraid to shift and pivot and change and, uh, you know, make grow. There's always growth to be had. Um, I love I love that quote uh, from Steve Jobs that after he lost, you know, Apple the first time and they kicked him out. I was like, how did someone kick you out of a company you started? But anyway, he was grateful for that, he said, because he had better ideas later on. So that's that's what I find is wonderful. Yeah. 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 And definitely speaks to that CEO mindset, right, of how do we think expansively? Um, exactly. How do we have all of these things, creativity, communication, curiosity, courage, flexibility, prioritization, um, delegation, um, connection, right? How do we live with all of those things? And, and I think it does come under this idea of, of whether it's our businesses or our jobs for somebody else or our lives. We are the CEO of whatever journey we're on and giving ourselves that opportunity to be that CEO, to see it from that perspective of growth and expansion, even when things feel like they're constrictive and closing in or even shutting down and moving on. How do we create that opportunity for ourselves to keep growing and keep going? That to me is the crux of the CEO mindset. What I'd love to do as we're wrapping up towards the end of our time together mm-hmm. is think about golden nuggets that we might all have. What is our what are our takeaways from today's conversation? Those golden nuggets that popped up. Yeah, I'm gonna share first because I there were so many, um, but the one that stuck out to me is that whole idea of like if the model isn't working, like just try something else. And we can get so um focused on just plowing through because that's what I should be doing or that's what I'm supposed to be doing and to just take a step back to take a step into that CEO mindset and just have a look just like let's 
from the bird's eye view, what else is going on and where can I take what I already am doing into that next uh, next step or that next place um, is fantastic. Kim, how about you? What's your golden nugget from today? Um, it's very similar, right? It is the idea that when we are in that CEO mindset, we're not in the mire. And I mean, when Tina was talking about we're not the ones working third shift and showing up to those strategy meetings, right? Mm -hmm. We, when we are in the CEO mindset, again, whether it's in our businesses, if it's in our role that we work for somebody else or in our lives, when we can step out of the minutia of the space that we're not meant to be in, and they're, they're all, we have them no matter what we're doing. When we can step out of that space of minutia, we are operating in a CEO mindset. When we can cultivate that curiosity and really be courageous and not panic, right? When we don't know how it's all going to turn out. That to me is, is really the golden nugget for me. Tino, how about you? What was your golden nugget from today? I think just, just knowing that it takes a team, you know, it's really hard to be the one that's going to steer the ship, raise the sails, right? Let down the anchor, navigate, and so you have to have a team around you to help you do all the things. Certainly, if you're a solopreneur and you're just starting out, obviously you do everything. But as you grow, then you have to have a team. And so I've surrounded my people, uh, my tribe, as I call them, that can help me get things done and what I need to do. I realize I cannot do anything on my own uh, because there's so much to get done. And so um, I want to say for, for those that are starting out as entrepreneurs, don't be afraid to hire help if you need it. Help is okay, right? Um, and so one of the things is I decided that I wanted to hire, my very first assistant was one of the young people from my church. I said, do you want a job? <laughs> because I knew I could groom her and she could do things that I, you know, the way I wanted her to do them. Um, and she learned so much. And then my second assistant happens to be a, a family friend and cousin who needed needed a job. And I said, because my other assistant, it's a long story, but anyway, uh, she had she had to deal with her mother and I needed someone right away. And I said, well, job. <laughs> and I look for people that maybe other people might not look at, right? Because they're not experienced or whatever. But I look at, can I help them and make them better? And if they you know, move on to something bigger and better, I'm happy for them. So yeah, yeah. find that yeah. tribe, find that team around you. So important. And yes, I am a big proponent of your, it's not too soon to get support um, and whether it's paid uh, or an internship, um, you know, however you work that out with them is a huge thing. Um, and, and we very much, I'm going to let you say it <laughs> about be, building a community because you talked about it before. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Right. When we we're stronger together, which is the whole pardon me, the whole point of, of a community of relying on people who are, you know, one or two steps ahead of you or one or two steps behind you as well. Whenever we can support others and have others support us and just builds a, builds a stronger business, builds a stronger career, uh, right? We, when we're feeling grounded and we're getting the, all the resources and the support that we need. So yeah, if you're interested in learning more about our kick-ass Career community, our collective. Um, Kim's popped up the uh, yourkickasscareer.com. Go on, go on over there. Uh, please check us out. 
um, it, you know, it's, it's phenomenal um, for sure. And the, the great stuff that we're doing inside there and the good stuff we have coming up. Ooh, it's good um, stuff. <laughs> going to be, uh, going to be a lot of fun, but we'll talk about that, um, as we go too. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. Um, so Tina, I know we included your links, um, in the mm -hmm. show notes. Um, is there anything that you have coming up that you want to make sure that people know is happening in your world? Uh, yes. So uh, coming up very soon, we'll be launching another uh, online challenge for uh, those that are nurses that are out there that are interested in starting their own business or maybe doing something a little bit different and taking your business to the next level. Um, I'm planning on putting in another uh, free challenge. It's free to get into the challenge and that'll be coming up at the first of the year. And uh, so I really want uh, nurses to to think outside the box on this one. Right. And um, where is the best place for them to get that information? Is that um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn? Facebook is the best place to get that information. They'll uh, we, we work. We're working on that now. And uh, probably at the very beginning of the year, we'll start launching the ads. On You'll see them on Facebook. But yeah, so well, on Facebook and Instagram. And then, of course, I always post everything on LinkedIn as well. So fantastic. And, I, and they can follow me on all the social media. So, okay. yep. Uh, Great. And we do have those links in um, the um, show notes. So please check them out. Um, go follow Tina. And if you are a nurse considering um, starting your own practice, watch for that challenge because that sounds amazing. Um, we are excited that next week um, we have our next kick-ass conversation is next Friday on decision fatigue. And our friend uh, and guest, Amanda Neely of Wealth Wisdom Financial is going to be joining us next week. So come back next week for our next guest, our next kick-ass conversation. Um, any last words before we say goodbye today? I want to say, first off, thank you for having me. And I'm glad to be your inaugural guest on your podcast. And um, I'm just going to say, don't be afraid to dream big. Don't be afraid to play full out. And just don't be afraid to be yourself. Be unapologetically you. I love it. That was brilliant. We have nothing else to say. Nothing. Tina, said it all. Thank you so much, Tina. Thanks to all our listeners and our viewers. Uh, we appreciate you so very much. Absolutely. Have a great week. Uh, have a kick-ass week. Why did I say great? Have a kick-ass <laughs> week. We will see you back here at 2 p.m. Eastern next week. Bye for now. Bye for now. Bye.